What are you writing? Names. I do write. Anybody else? We write. This evening's Dharma talk is titled, correct me if I'm wrong here, A Moment. A Moment Has No Sides. Is that correct? Very good. So that's the end of the talk. So what I'm, what I'm, by that title, what I'm hoping to talk a little bit about, and which I will, and then also appreciate any questions that come this way that help us all together go deeper into the material, whatever that may be. But the idea there is there's, uh, there is an assumption or a preconception about time that it actually is something, and that uh, it, uh, that we can actually measure that, and that it's something that has a linear aspect to it, past to present to future. But to say a moment has no sides, what is being said is you can't really measure that. You can't go from this side of the moment to that side of the moment. And there, is, there are no sides. Uh, the concept there is pointing at something that we all often use. We use that word, well, for the moment, I don't have anything to say. So we're always using that kind of an expression, quite often anyway. But rarely do we actually look at the nature of time itself. Dogen, you could even say that uh, an hour, a day, a week, a year, a lifetime has no sides. Just look, it really does look like it. And one of the reasons, because reasons are handy, that it looks that way is we think there is someone we impute or imagine there's some kind of a being who is traveling through time, who has somewhere they've been and somewhere they're going. And we substantiate validate and reify that by memories of the past and imaginations about the future. I sometimes say, how do you know something is a plan? Because it doesn't work. Plans never work, except for that one time where everything you planned, it worked out exactly that way. And you're so startled by it, you had a heart attack. So therefore, you're not in this room. So I'd like to have some discussion around that. and I'm, I'm happy to continue to, to talk. But uh, if there's a questions right away, that might help me. Yes. So uh, we use concepts, uh, and let them take us as far as we can, like the idea of a moment having no sides. In other words, a moment in a, in a relative sense doesn't actually exist. What's being pointed at there is forced into some kind of a dynamic where, well, a moment is just a really tiny piece of time. It's like the, the other example is sometimes used as, uh, uh, for space. The thing for space is really interesting. And you can do the same thing with time, but the thing is, if you divide space in half, shorter and shorter and shorter, and you always divide it in half, you never can get to the point where there's nothing left to divide, because you're dividing whatever's there and those in half. You're always dividing in half, kind of a paradox. That helps us to see how really difficult it is to see the true nature of what this is, really true nature of what this is, which is what uh, Dogen and other teachers down through the centuries, uh, including the Buddha, of course, have been endeavoring to talk to us about. <laughs> as soon as you try to talk about it, you're immediately you're lying because you can't you can't speak absolute truth. So you, but if you have some kind of understanding, some kind of insight into the fundamental nature of this, which if you sat and looked at the wall for uh, quite a long period of time, there's a good chance something will start to occur to you besides uh, just a wall there. Dogen addressed that idea of time in lots of ways. One of the ways he, another kind of a koan, uh, was um, that firewood does not become ash. Firewood is firewood, ash is ash, does not become ash. So that's, and of course, the, 
or maybe not a course, but quite often, self-centered mind, the ego mind, will say immediately, well, yes, it does. Have some wood and we burn it, we watch it become ash. But you can't actually find a, t a time when it actually turns from firewood into ash. One way of talking about it. Yeah. In that chapter, past in the way of the future, mm -hmm. the day during the study, we had something similar, a mountain is walking forward like that. So mm, I don't remember that. That's pretty good. What did you come up with? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, it's another way that Dogen uh, endeavors to help uh, his uh, students back in the third century, his disciples, to understand the, their Buddha nature, to help them approach that by talking in you know what we might call riddles or koans, or so that so that your logical materialistic attitude mind that is fueled by the desire of ego or wanting this, not wanting that, wanting to be in charge of things, is kind of confounded by that. And so if you're sincere and you're serious about understanding what this teaching is, what the teaching of the Buddha is going back 2,500 years, or Dogen going back to the 13th century, then you would give that the benefit of the doubt and you would try to contemplate that or understand that. And uh, visitor. <laughs> Yes, he left. So, do you have a question about mountains and water, or mountains and river? It has a truth to it, but it's not fundamentally true. No. <laughs> yes. You brought up memories and something that we're someone that's like having this life. It's not someone that's having these memories. What is it that contains? Just the dynamic of being a, an organism and being having. A, I mean, all of the things, the causes and conditions that arise as. Your, your sixth sense feels, including the mind, all of that coming together, there's just the illusion that there is someone. <laughs> it isn't that there isn't something, but it's not someone. It's just this, which is not separate from what Dogen was talking about. But What does seeing something here stop us from? We, we tend to get enamored of ourselves. We tend to get enamored of ourselves in such a way that we want to improve ourselves. We want to have more advantages. So we tend to ignore everything else. It's as uh, one of the ways to, since we're talking about Dogen, one of the ways that he described the difference between uh, realization or enlightenment and delusion or confusion or insanity, various levels of that, is to say that when you go out towards the dharmas or towards the world, this is called delusion. And when you, when the dharmas, when you allow, you could say, the dharmas to come towards you, this is awakening. But usually we, we want something, or else we don't want something, or else we want to just not look at something, distract ourselves. Those are the three ways in which we avoid what this situation is, passion, aggression, and ignorance. What's the difference between the falseness of time versus the cyclical nature of this? So um, they're the same thing. They're not separate from each other, but they are separated by the by the merchandising mentality or the materialistic idea of the ego, the ego that wants some things and doesn't want others. So it will take the nature of what is arising, which is basically not separate, and divide it up into parts to its uh, uh, assumed advantage. We're not saying there aren't cycles. We're just saying that the, the, the complete cycle, understanding of the complete cycle, is a way of seeing uh, the ultimate uh, within the relative. To see that there, in other words, you're not saying this is good and this is bad, we're not smushing them, smushing them together, but we're saying they're not really separated in a way in a, in a way that the ego mind uh, imputes or assumes or imagines. So it's always, as you've heard me say many times, uh, 
it's always about awareness. It's not about getting somewhere and leaving somewhere else. It's always about the awareness of what is happening or what is arising. Is a moment. What do you mean by complete? What do you mean by incomplete? So I would say it's complete based on what you're saying, what you're asking about. It's a concept. <coughs> it's a concept, but what what actually is that? What when we just like the idea of of dividing things. Dividing things, it's a very obvious thing. If you take this much space, you divide it in half, and you take what's left, divide that in half, it goes on and on and on. It might get extremely tiny, but there's always something left to divide it. There's always some kind of space left to divide up, theoretically, not soteriologically or ontologically. Does anybody know what those words mean? Bill Waldron. <laughs> Bill Waldron knows, yes. We're going to question him when he comes here. Yes. <clears throat> alone has no sides what's outside of them so since you're using the concept of a moment which we used you know I, a moment ago i thought this and a moment ago so we use that in a, in a relative way but if we actually look at the moment itself we can't we can't really you know use another image pinpoint because even that is you know is a, is a, uh, not particularly precise although we're using the image of a pin which gives us the illusion of precision so what's outside of the moment is about 15 or 20 other moments. You know, there probably isn't anything outside of the moment. If you're actually, uh, to use the common thing that people are often telling us, when we're feeling miserable, the person next to you will say, you just have to stay in the moment. Have you notice that? People are always ready to, when you're feeling like crap and they're doing pretty good, then they'll say, well, just be here now, man. Good luck. So this isn't something to attach to or believe in or adapt but it's something to be aware of. To, the idea is to be as aware as you can of whatever's coming and going without picking or choosing, without selecting or separating something out. So when I'm saying a moment has no size, it's just, it's just like, it's not something. It's not like a, you know, like a period. You can actually, if you've got a microscope, you could say, well, there's an outside and an inside to the period. So it's not that kind of a thing that you can, it's, it, the moment actually is, uh, transcends the very thing that it seems to be appearing in. Which is time and space. James, uh, do we create problems for ourselves by putting sides on moments? Probably by, by attributing attributing ideas, feelings, different structures to that situation. Probably do. So this is what when I say, and, and others have said, don't add, don't any whatever's arising, don't do anything with it. Don't add to it. Uh, don't take away from it. As uh, the I've been. Last few days, I've been reminded of the teaching of, I think it's Trangu Rinpoche, a Tibetan master who's still alive, uh, says, uh, I think it was him that says, if, if you do nothing to thoughts, they will do nothing to you. So if you're sitting and you're having thoughts, don't do anything with them. Certainly don't add to them or judge them or subtract from them. Don't do anything with those thoughts that are arising. And that, and that way they don't tumble into some kind of a, um, anxiety about what's happening, what should happen, or what's going to happen, what could happen, or worry. Difficult to do if you're if you're not a meditator. If you don't train your mind, then you're not going to be able to think your way into that kind of thing because it's not about uh, thinking. It's not about calculating, figuring, figuring out what to do. That's more or less assuming that you can somehow take a hold of this world of cause and effect, this world of time and space, and squeeze some kind of happiness out of it. Probably not going to work. Maybe a little bit here and there, and then we live from one happiness moment to the next. Um, Do we still feel something like anxiety or worry if we're just observing our thoughts? 
Yes, you can. And that's part of the what makes it so difficult is because when we when we've been working and, and trying to to not add to that, endeavoring to just not build up any kind of a case against everything, but just be with whatever is happening or look at what's happening or observe. Uh, and then things start to feel worse Then instead of just letting it do whatever it needs to do, we start to add on to that and say, well, have little tiny, uh, little tiny post-it notes we put on things. Well, this must mean, or that must mean, well, it must mean I'm not meditating. Right. It must mean I'm, uh, if I, if, there, if I were, if, if I were doing this correctly, I'd feel better unnecessarily. And the simple description of that, that you probably have heard me say before is especially for someone who's just been meditating for a few months or even a, a few years, you may have been spending a lot of time before you even got to the cushion or to the place where you can sharpen your awareness, you may have been spending a lot of time covering up your difficulties. So then when you finally do sit down and look, uh, that tends to start uncovering that stuff you've been, common word is repressing or holding back or hiding out from or pretending wasn't there, covering up. So you might have to go through a, a period of time or a, a Dharma gate where you need to relate to whatever negativity is coming your way with, without doing anything about it. Don't add to it. Don't analyze it. Don't attribute or blame someone or some situation. Even if it's true, don't blame. That's what the ego does. The ego will say, well, they actually did that. No wonder I'm feeling bad because they did that. But it's, a, it's a cyclic. And, and you have to see the entire cycle. If you see the entire cycle, then you're it's called samsara, a Sanskrit word for so that circle. Then you, you won't go to war with anything because you'll understand that it's always tipping this way and tipping that way. Go ahead. Probably. Thinking something's true and something else is false. Go ahead. Sensation without belief. Yeah. You knew that already, though. Oh, you're testing me. <laughs> yes. Anything is possible in that area. You might find that usually doesn't happen but then there will be that time when there's a when there's a black swan as a, the title of uh, Suzuki Roshi's uh, book I don't it's just a teaching he gave I think somebody else put, put the title on the book because it's published long after he passed away but the title of the book is not always so you can't find anything it's always the case everything is changing so this is a this is a difficult to topic to ramble on and on about so that's why I'm saying if you ask questions we can keep going but otherwise I'm just going to Sit here and watch time go by. <laughs> yes. You said we get enamored with ourselves and we ignore us. We do. You often suggest to flash on our senses. I do. If we're flashing on our senses or staying in our senses, are we still missing? Uh, no. No, you're including things you normally ignore. If you'll notice that when you're worried about something, all the awareness leaves your sense of touch. It leaves your sense of seeing. It leaves your, abandons your sense of hearing and all your other senses and just sucks up into the thinking process and worries or thinks or calculates or analyzes, tries to get to from point A to point B, from this side of the moment to the other side of the moment. As you know, a moment is hollow inside. Just like a little bubble of momentariness. Unless there's a hole in it. It's a good area to go if you have another question around that. Senses don't lie. Feeling, seeing. I mean, you can be fooled. That's why we're quite enamored by magic tricks because we, we so much just totally trust our senses. If we see something, you know, seeing is believing, as they say. I don't know who they is, but those guys. You see it, and so if somebody comes up 
and you know the magician's there the magician pulls up the hat and then what happens she reaches down inside the hat and pulls out what a rabbit a, a, a lion yeah I like that and then you would what would you say that looked real and then five people all watching one says i don't believe that that's a trick someone else would well i just saw it seeing is believing you know the person would say i don't like lions say what happened to the rabbit <laughs> everybody's thinking some other thing about it it's just uh it's called uh, uh not always so so those uh, we hear something uh, uh the other uh, some of the uh, like taste is pretty hard to fool your sense of taste you put something sweet in your mouth it's sweet but something sour it's sour or if you don't like a particular thing you're not going to trick somebody into that doesn't like something into eating something that is that's all dressed up or looks like that necessarily although they say that uh, if you take an apple and a potato that, and tell somebody that it's you know their the sense of taste uh, 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 kind of gives way to the sense of seeing and the seeing part takes over and tells you communicates to the mind not an apple it's a potato that's, i'm gonna write a book about that <laughs> better have a bunch of illustrations yes is the mind always fixated on something looks like it unless it's not we have anyone on the internet i know Sokaran and rusheen are watching they told me they were of course they don't see them yeah i don't know they might no i got a message from terry duperin over in uh, the detroit hmm. area who says the signals uh, going in and out so oh. I, don't, I don't know if it's rain here youtube or yeah. what it is so. well anytime you talk about moments <laughs> tends to... just wait a moment yeah wait a moment <laughs> and things very are good happen. isn't that how it goes? wait a moment <laughs> further questions about this or about anything for that matter we have something that we're not talking about yes what daylight senses gives us imagination? so that's uh, uh that's when we uh we have the senses arise and then we're using the senses or we're going to the sense of touch or the sense of hearing or seeing and then we then we add to that some kind of analysis about it that it's like you said it's not enough because we're looking for content and the content is not as important like when i say we're having book study um you might come and study bill waldron's book or possibly uh, uh jeffrey hopkins or some other challenging intellectual uh conceptual presentation of various aspects of the of the dharma and uh and and feel because you have an expectation there's a certain way you're supposed to understand this and when you can't it doesn't feel like you're quite getting to it then there's kind of a, a maybe a feeling of failure or not being so good or maybe not even liking that text just because it's too challenging and i say what's important about that is the awareness that's happening around trying to work with that material uh, not success in understanding it or being uh, uh um, you know uh highly intelligent or erudite or uh, conceptually gifted. It's more about the awareness around what that is rather than some kind of accomplishment mentality. So same thing when we're talking about the senses. I, I teach uh, alternating sense awareness practice so that when someone is overwhelmed by emotions or thoughts, uh, so rather than just uh, be totally at the mercy of that, excuse me, you could actually deliberately go to something that is already here, it's already in the present moment, as they say, there's no sides. And, uh, and how, is this, how this feels, how this looks, colors, just receive the very basic object, basic object in any one of the sense fields, just sound, not what kind of sound or what's making the sound, but just the sound or just the, 
of sight, just a texture of something, the color of something, to include that with the thought process that's giving you a hard time or where you're fretting or worrying about that, uh, it changes the, the way in which you relate to the thought process. It's not something you can particularly evaluate. That's why sitting practice of meditation doesn't particularly provide you with credentials other than you can say, I sat for six hours today, which doesn't help a lot if you're feeling like crap. And this is why I would say, do it anyway, practice anyway. Because if you believe your thoughts and feelings and opinions and emotions, if you believe all that, you, you just, you'll leave here, you won't come back. You'll go, you know, start a, um, a cigar factory. Well, probably not a cigar factory. You start a, what could you start? Neko wafer factory, that would be good. They just went out of business. <laughs> so you should start one of them, one of those. But you know, we, we, we get discouraged by something and so that's why this is a spiritual path is about working in a different way with the negativity that arises in the mind. And how is that a different way? We're not going to run away from it. We're not going to make up a bunch of excuses or, or, or ideas about it to help uh, make us uh, feel better for 20 minutes. And we're, uh, we're, not, we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to abandon it or go away. And it may not be uh, who's here, whoever's here, whoever is... Uh, watching it may not be for you to do this i'm not here to promote this necessarily if it's if you want to do this then i will help if you don't then do whatever you want to do yes sir uh it starts out as feeling lonely you're with a lot of other people they're all practicing you're practicing and you notice that you might feel lonely and it's not that you don't have friends or or dharma brothers and sisters or people that are studying the same thing but there's a uh, as we approach that aspect of the consciousness that is uh, harbor, the, uh, has a little uh, safe harbor called the seventh consciousness, or that area that kind of goes into a cocoon kind of form, that's actually going to come apart. And so the, the loneliness is part of uh, isolating oneself from um, others. Even though you're with others, you're isolating yourself. And at some point, when as long as there's some sense that I am somebody, then there can be loneliness. But when when one sees, and I don't know if it's a point in time or not, I'm not really I can't really talk about it that way because I don't have any point in time where anything particular happened to me. But here I am talking about this, so who knows? Maybe nothing occurred at all. But at some point, there you're just you're just alone, and you no longer you no longer need anything. I'm not saying that if you don't if you have a toothache, you don't need something to stop that from hurting. Of course, I'm not ridiculous about it. But you're you're no longer in some kind of a wanting something else. You're here, you want something else. Most human beings or wherever they're at, they they want something else. Or they want more of something and less of another thing. And uh, the one who has realized aloneness doesn't want anything. They don't want company. They don't want. Uh, to be left alone. They don't particularly want something else. And that's this is the truth of the, the Buddhist teaching. The truth of suffering, the truth of the cause of suffering, the truth of the goal, and the truth of the path. So there's no longer any else to create difficulty. Yes, sir? I'm not understanding. Uh, how can there be a loneliness? Are you saying there's a loneliness without ego? Yes. How can there be a loneliness without ego? Because nothing is separate. There isn't anybody else. All the company has left. You're, you're all by yourself with a whole room to clean up where everybody's left a bunch of bottles and cigarette butts. I'm sorry, I was born a long time ago. <laughs> That's how a, the party is over. So. <laughs> what are you alone from? Then? So, good point. 
So it's a it, that's how it, it starts out as that way. But eventually, even that doesn't doesn't work. It just it works as a way of talking about it to to help um, help someone understand that there is some kind of a progression happening as we practice, where we we may feel lonely for quite a while. Possible, depending on the causes <coughs> and conditions that arise as your particular karma. Uh, you know, you you may not go through that. Uh, everyone's dharma gate or everyone's a um, psychology or whatever is is different. So some people don't don't have that at all. Just like some people have very little pride. I mean, obvious, and other people are just loaded with pride. And some people don't. Jealousy area is very low, but then other people are extremely just just always looking for more territory for themselves and get really upset if somebody else gets credit or gets something they think they should have gotten. So the whole idea of lonely, and if if you feel lonely, then it probably will end up in aloneness. Yes, go ahead. Okay. So then, um, the not separate may or may not come subsequently. May or may not. And if it does, then that sense of aloneness and not there doesn't matter. Or... Yes, it, it's not. It's not something you need to do anything about. As to, as uh, Coben says, I use this all the time because it's just such a great teaching, uh, where he translates the Heart Sutra of. Uh, uh, Gate, gate, para, gate, para, samgate. Did you chant that tonight? So the mantra at the end of the Heart Sutra, and it's gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond, awake, Soviet, is an English translation of that that's fairly common. But his translation, Coben's translation of that, if you understood that, was uh, um, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart, nothing to do. So he was talking about, chat with him about it, but uh, as I can tell, probably talk, talking about about that, that your the self centeredness, the ego just falls apart. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have fears. It doesn't mean you don't even have maybe hopes for this or that or the other thing. Uh, but but the, the the grasping part of it, the fixation part, is what's going on. So therefore, you uh, what seems to rise in the place of the demand or the fixation is, uh, for lack of a better expression, uh, say a sense of humor. We were talking about flashing on this before up in our head worrying about something when mm -hmm. that worrying or story that we've concocted has started to yes. translate to what seems like feeling that mm -hmm. is there still truth in that feeling how do you mean truth i don't remember exactly if you feel it it's then that's true if it's true you're feeling it i'm not saying that you're not feeling it i'm saying that's true but that doesn't point to something else it's just that it's like a, a moment with no sides it's just that it, ta it takes up no time and no space, unless you're out there with a, some kind of a ruler measuring things. You can take anything that occurs and turn it into some kind of a thing. Physicists do it all the time. They're having a big trouble, a, a, a big problem with uh, uh, subatomic stuff because it doesn't want to hold still long to be measured. Darn it. So, and they're trying to not go so far in that they suddenly step on the spiritual path. <laughs> tricked into it <laughs> the god particle yes go ahead uh, Sokaran and Rushin are, are with us I, I knew they were and Sokaran has a question All right. she asks meditation can be so quiet while simultaneously there is death and destruction and birth and hurricanes occurring somewhere else does the moment include everything even in the silence yes I had to think about that for just for a moment. <laughs> just I just kind of bounced off one wall of the moment over the other side of the moment and the light went off my you know the light bulb above your head. Yes. I really thought about that. 
Yes, David. What's the sense of time? What, what is the sense of time? Things moving. Without anything moving, we, we don't know. That's why when you're sitting, doing sitting meditation, those of you who have done quite a bit of this uh, can attest, that, as if we needed to attest to anything. But if you sit down, that you actually, your sense of time is based on things coming and going, movement, something that needs to be moving. Because uh, if you sit there for a while, eventually uh, the sense of time just drops away. It might take a while. But eventually you can sit here and not have any particular experience of time coming and going. That actually can happen when you're not, when you're not meditating also. But they usually lock you up, put, put you in one of those, what do they call those? Jail. Yes. You said our sense of time is based on things moving. Yes. So if meditating or not, our body, things internally are still, so mm-hmm. how can there be no sense of time, no existence? Mm, I don't know. Maybe you would ignore it. Maybe you would be... Um, maybe you'd be in a daydream or something, watching something go this way, which there's a different kind of time happening there. How's your doing the dream project that you've been working on? Is that so your sense of time in that? Is that showing up differently, uh, Jason? In, in the dream? A lot of time passes and passes, although you see it go by so no occurs anymore. Hmm. More about that? Nor do I, that's why I'm asking you. Since you. When we go into memories or ideas about the future without worsening? I think as long as there's no demand going on, it's the, it's the demand and the fixation. The demand for something else and the fixation on something that we're afraid is going to change. We tend to tighten down on something if it gets too movable. Then we want to tighten down on it so we feel secure. And so I think if there's no demand, then things can come and go. If, if one has transcended the personal self, in other words, realized uh, no separation, then the things that are not separate come and go all the time. You have emotions and feelings and memories and things are just free to do whatever they want to do. So you're no longer objecting to anything, you're no longer agreeing with anything, and you're no longer shutting things out particularly, unless you do. But even that's not a problem. Not always so. Anything is possible. Anything can occur. There's no uh, rule of thumb or there's no notches on the workbench or any of that 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 tells you, oh, finally, now I have this or have that. That's completely gone. You have no reassurance. You have, this is my teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, used to call that uh, seminar he did once. Uh, The title of it was Buddha Dharma or Awakened Truth. Awakened to what is fundamentally true, not just relatively, but what's fundamentally true. Uh, Buddha Dharma without credentials, without any guarantee. There's no diploma, there's no merit badge, there's nothing. By not demanding. Yeah. So if you, anything that comes up that is about warfare or demand or any extreme where you're grasping at something, which we all have some experience of this, I mean, it might not be noticeable to someone sitting next to us, but in our mind, we're, we're as we sometimes call it, struggling with things. This is coming and that's going. And we reify it or, or convince ourselves that it's okay to fret about this because uh, this is happening here, or we're running out of money, or we're, or we're just any number of things. So it's not that you, you don't think about it at all. We're not talking about ignoring it so that it goes away. Or artif- the artificial ignorance, of course, is drugs. We, we, can't, we can't just ignore it, so we just drug ourselves. Some people are able to do that without taking any drugs. They just, they just uh, buy into their opinions and their ideas, and they might as well be drugged in some sense, because they, they just believe this is true. And so they operate out of that fixation. 
sometimes you can you can recognize that some people operate out of really strong, tight beliefs about the nature of the world and the nature of who they are and the nature of everything. If, if you're not doing that, it's pretty painful to be around someone like that. Quite, quite often it happens with our parents. If, uh, if uh, Not always, but if we don't have mind training of some kind, as we get older, as people get older, they get more and more uh, fixed on because of the death starts staring us in the face after a while. So we start to get more and more fixed on what we believe and what's true and what we should do, and what's really valuable in life and all of that. That question that Sukharan asked, it was really from both of Rishi and Enzo. I was supposed to tell you that. And then well, Rishin. then that changes my answer. <laughs> what? And then Rasheen has a question. All right, go ahead. She asks, what is your experience of time? Comes and goes. <laughs> when you're eating ice cream? Uh, it slows way down. <laughs> yeah, and then then I, when I get about halfway through the bowl of ice cream, then I start to fret about it's going to be gone pretty quick. <laughs> and then I, I don't enjoy the last half as much because I've added on to that it's starting to disappear. You know, when it's three quarters, only half, a quarter gone, then you've got all that big, so, right, life is good, more ice cream. <laughs> but then as you eat it, you know, it's pretty soon it's just little, and then you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's a teaching in Buddhism, this is called uh, uh, the pain of alternation. And it's, it's like uh, things that you like going away, like life. Now we've got three minutes left. That's probably about... 560 moments all hooked together without sides. Yes. You were talking earlier about a sense of progress or progression yes. on the path, and that seems to be tied to an idea of time passing. Mm -hmm. But if that time isn't real, is the sense of progress, what happens to that sense of progress? It, it, if, you, if you realize, if you actually realize, and when I say realize, you're no longer at war with anything. You no, no, no longer want something else, and you have no credential. You have nothing to prove to anyone. I'm not saying you wouldn't disagree about uh, some particular thing. Sure, you might. might. But as soon as you, if you see that person's at war that you're disagreeing with, then you lose the war immediately. Don't fight with anyone who's, who's warlike. When I say lose the war, I'm not saying you know, crawl away like a worm or something. I'm saying be kind to the person that's having difficulty, even if, even if you don't particularly feel like it. Do it anyway. Be, be kind to that person because they're they're struggling. Maybe you're not, but there's no. If you have a credential, then you have something to, something to protect. So if someone accuses you of anything, you, you immediately feel. You know, whereas if uh, if you're clear about what this whole thing is about, then if somebody accuses you, what you see is their need to be accusing you rather than feeling blamed. There isn't anyone here who who's, can't find somebody to blame. More about that would be good if you have it, Seto. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you don't have to whisper it. We're out of moments. Apparently, the moments collected and they got back to back, stacked up and created an hour or whatever. Final question from anyone? Very good. Thank you so much. To stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red chantrooks. I'd like to again call your attention to the donation boxes in the hallway, still there to accept your financial support, which we can always. May the
has penetrated into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.